And this is Brian Headley, my dad. And uh, yeah, I grew up listening to him preach, and so most of what I know is from him. So if it's wrong, you can blame him. Okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. I'd like to pray though right now. Jesus, I thank you for uh, this man who uh, walks so humbly with you, and. Um, Jesus, I'm grateful that he's, he's willing to do this, that it's in his heart to, to still get up and to preach your word. And, uh, and so, God, I ask this morning that you would come and you would uh, soften our hearts, um, that you would work the ground of our hearts, that it would be soft like it is after rain, and that um, as the, the seed of your word goes out, it would go into soft hearts, and that we'd be able to receive what you want to say today and respond to what you want to do. And God, I ask for uh, my dad that your spirit would be on him, that he would be proclaiming uh, the words from your heart to our hearts, and that he'd be in tune with you this morning. So thank you, Lord. Amen. Technology. Technology. That's super. Wow. All right. I'm impressed. Thank you, John. <laughs> well, this morning I wanted to start off by having you think about the last time you were pleasantly shocked. I'd like each of you to think about this. When, when was the last time you had some kind of a pleasant, now pleasant shock, not the negative ones, a pleasant surprise happened to you that touched you that actually brought a smile on your face because it was surprising and it just somehow did something to you and you just started smiling. Okay, let's start thinking about this. What did it look like? Who was involved? Who was that person? Was there someone that brought a little smile to your face? Because it was a surprise. You weren't expecting it. All right, you're thinking about this? Okay, well, just hold that picture. Because Jesus is inviting you and I into a journey of surprise. Last week, John called the journey uh, discipleship. And this morning, I want to look at that whole journey through this window, another window, the journey of surprise. And the question is, are you willing to participate in the journey so that you reach the moment of surprise? Okay, that's the question. Dell and I had a moment of surprise <clears throat> when we planted our first church back in uh, Windsor, Ontario. We invited a man named Lauren Drake uh, to come and speak. Lauren had been healed of lupus disease, and uh, he came. I'd heard about him in a full gospel meeting that someone mentioned to me, talked to me about. Invited him to come, and he was willing to come, so he came on a Sunday morning. He spoke, um, shared his testimony, his story, and uh, we invited people to come forward um, and people came. We prayed for them. Afterwards, we took Lauren back to our home. It's a lovely morning, and I had lunch with him, and then I'm going to take him now to the bus station to get him back on the bus. And we're sitting in the car, and suddenly it dawns on me. Hey, Lauren, just a minute. Our two kids, Jonathan and Sarah, 
both of them have an allergy to gluten. And uh, matter of fact, what happens is they, if I give them a cookie, they just fall asleep within five minutes every time. Could you pray for them? And he said, yeah, sure. And I thought, okay, hurry. What? Where are they? Where are they? I jump out of the car. There's Jonathan. He's in the backyard. Grab him. Hey, John, come on. We're going to pray for you. Where's Sarah? Where's Sarah? Oh, she's in the house. Oh, well, we've got we to gotta hurry. So maybe we'll just come over and we'll pray for you and Sarah. Even though Sarah's in the house, we'll pray for the two of you together. Okay, Lauren, go for it. So Lauren prays a nice prayer. Bless them, Jesus. Heal them. Amen. Good. We jump in the car. All right. Get him down to the bus station. Get him on the bus. <sighs> we did it. I'm driving home. I'm thinking, I'm going to test this out. After all, you know, Jesus is Jesus. So we get in. We get them both in together in the living room. Give them both a cookie. Nobody falls asleep. This is exciting. Let's try ice cream cones. <laughs> My favorite. Ice cream cones. Nobody falls asleep. They were both healed. And Sarah was not even present at the moment of prayer. Woo. I'll tell you, that shook me. Yeah. What we think of as our theology, in these moments, we suddenly feels like it's paper theology. It's there. It's real. But this is something else. This really shakes you. That's surprise. Yes, the journey of surprise. All right, are you ready to participate? Are you ready to hold on tight to get to the moment of surprise? Let's turn to Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 26. We'd like to look at two stories of surprise and three gifts that allowed the surprise to happen. So watch for the gifts, three gifts. Verse 12, chapter 5, verse 12. While Jesus, Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Okay, see this. This man has leprosy. He lived with shame. He looks horrible. It's all over him. No one in this culture ever touched a leper. Lepers never touched you. In fact, lepers did not ever even touch a dog. Or the whole culture would be down on them. Now this man is in the presence of Jesus and something has happened to him. There is a light. He has some kind of a light in his being, in his soul. He has entered. He has some kind of a hope. First of all, a hope. that And hope means that anything is possible. With God, anything is possible. And somehow he has entered that realm, that zone, that says, with God, all things are possible. But now he's gone one step beyond that. He's entered another zone, the zone of faith. Jesus, you can heal me. You can. Obviously, he has seen Jesus doing it, and something has come into him. And he has now this flame and this faith. And he says, you, you can heal me. Are you willing? Are you willing? There was a preacher named Charles Price who ministered healing uh, back in the 30s and 40s. And all kinds of people were getting healed. 
And, uh, but Charles Price would stand in front of a, a congregation or a gathering of people and say, now don't, this would be the gist of his message, don't simply come forward and res- for prayer. Instead, I want you to pause and I want you to lay down your faith. And instead, I want you to receive Jesus' faith because it's Jesus' faith that moves mountains. Our faith may be well-intentioned, but it is flawed. It's human. And somehow, Jesus wants to give you his faith because that's the faith that moves mountains. Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved and it will fall into the sea. See, your faith is well-intentioned. My faith is well-intentioned in any given situation. Yeah, I want, I want, I want to see something happen here. Price, Charles Price is saying, pause. Lay that down. Surrender. And now invite Jesus. I want your faith for this moment, for this situation. Yours. Yours. He would come forward and say, I believe I have that. And he would say, okay, you're ready. And he'd pray for them. And things would happen. Okay. The leper says, you can heal me. You can. The question is, will you? And Jesus says, yes. Yes. You can see it in man's eyes. Yes, you have that grain of mustard seed, heaven faith. You've got there. Yes. All right, now Jesus says, yes, and what happens? The man's skin becomes whole. What am I saying, Brian? Are you saying that it actually, you don't really mean it to just change miraculously? Exactly. I'm saying exactly that. As they watched, as they watched, how long did it take? Five minutes? Ten minutes? As they watched, his skin changed right in front of their eyes. They could see things happening to that skin. And it was just like, oh my goodness, am I seeing this? Am I, am I seeing this? Yes, that's exactly what happened. The first gift that leads to surprise is to lay down your own faith and ask Jesus for his faith. See, whatever it is that leads us to, I want, I want this Jesus. Jesus is standing there with you, so willing, waiting to give you his faith, just waiting. And there's something profound that happens when you lay down yours and receive his. That's what Price uh, said, and I believe that's what Jesus was saying in that reference to mountain-moving faith. Um, Luke goes on to uh, describe the next encounter in verse 17. Um, And again, we're just uh, breezing over the fact that the man did receive the faith to be healed. Uh, he didn't receive Jesus' faith to keep his mouth closed. <laughs> and so he goes and tells everybody. And uh, Jesus is very thoughtful about his journey and his balance in life. And he is balanced between helping people and also needing that time to be refreshed himself. And that is another thought for some of us who are uh, under stress. 
Here's a picture of Jesus who knows how to, he indeed manages the stress and the quiet and the cleansing. And he goes to the quiet place and, uh, and prays and, and gets cleansed. All right, verse 17 is another uh, uh, situation, a, a moment of, of healing and visitation and surprise. Uh, one day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. All right, you need to notice that this journey of surprise that Jesus is on, he is on a journey of surprise. Yeah. He is just moving with this presence and uh, waiting for the surprise. Indeed, and now this surprise is heading into a storm. The Pharisees and teachers of the law from all the surrounding villages were there. The word is out. Yeah, this carpenter who has no rabbinical training, no graduate degrees here, folks, uh, we're going to check him out. And let's face it, they were not there to encourage him. They were not there to say, oh, I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing. Come on in, folks. Come on in. Want to see this? No, not at all. No, they were there, and it's fair to say that there was some degree of contempt in the room. And contempt means, you know, if you're in contempt of court, what it means is you've broken the rules. You've broken the rules. And if a person has contempt towards you, it somehow means that they disdain you, that they see you as somehow less than them. And in this room, we have one person named Jesus who is not bowing down to that that religious air that comes and is in the room. And that's disturbing. And maybe what is even more disturbing, they've heard about his miracles and they've heard about his, the strange teaching he does. But there's something else about Jesus. There is a humility about him. There's a lack of ego that is also deeply disturbing. Um, he's not pretending he's some schooled rabbi. He's just doing what Jesus does. All right, so <clears throat> Jesus could feel the contempt, and that's what's, there's that in the room. And then Luke 17 goes on to say there's something else in the room. Um, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. So Luke is making a point here, I believe, and that point is that when the faith from heaven was present in the room and Jesus sensed it, in this case it was, but that faith, when it's not present, Jesus himself would not pray for healing. And if you follow it in the Gospels, you'll see that indeed there are moments when he doesn't pray for healing. It's because something's missing. And he's not here to force his healing down on people. You know, I'm just going to heal you no matter what. This isn't, this isn't some kind of, I don't know what to call it, a business. This man is in flow. This is presence. He's moving with this presence. And this presence is searching us. It's searching us out. Yes, and it can push our buttons. All right. In the presence of contempt... Something like this happened one night with uh, myself when I was uh, in Victoria. 
Uh, this is quite a number of years ago. I was uh, carrying a large wooden cross that night. How I got there is another story. Um, let's just say it wasn't my idea, and I did have his faith to do it, that mustard seed. And as we had discussed this over the previous year, uh, Jesus made it clear to me that I was to uh, take this as a silent cross and not talk to people unless they spoke to me. And so um, I was, in fact, though, to search them, to search them. And so I would, I would notice every set of eyes that were watching me or looked at me, and I would search those eyes and look for their heart. And then some would speak with me. In fact, all kinds of people ended up talking with me, and there was all kinds of little moments that happened that were really amazing. So one night I'm walking down the street, and three teenagers come beside me. And uh, one of them says, uh, well, does God heal today? And I said, yes, he does. Um, and I put the cross down, and he's now talking with me. And he says, well, I don't know if he'd heal me because uh, I got in a fight. I said, no, no, God heals. He would heal you. And he said, well, I don't think he'd heal me, actually, because uh, I started the fight. <laughs> I said, no. I said, God would heal you, even if you started the fight. Now he's got two friends with him, and now the friends get, ooh, he's going to heal him. Ooh, he's going to heal him. Ooh, he's going to heal him. The preacher's going to do his thing. They're dancing up and down, literally about this far away from my face. Yeah, all the noise is now erupting, and they're really uh, making, uh, you know, lots of hay out of this. So uh, the, definitely the tension is rising. <laughs> this guy is talking to me. Finally, he says to me, well, I've had a back problem for uh, three weeks. It's really been hurting me. Uh, would you pray for me? And so this is why they get all wound up. And uh, <clears throat> I said, okay, yeah, I will pray for you. And I said, the shortest prayer I've ever prayed for anybody. <laughs> In Jesus' name, be healed. Amen. <laughs> That's it. And uh, I can still see the guy. Does this. Bends down. And then he takes off down the street, down the block. And then he runs all the way back. He says, Pain's gone. Pain's gone. Wow, it's gone. It's gone. His two friends say, ah, oh, come on, you were never sick. You were never a pain in the first place. You didn't have any. No, 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 no. I did. No, no, you didn't. They start walking down the street arguing back and forth. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No. Okay, so I pick up the cross, and I continue dragging it down the street. Halfway down the street, here's this guy sitting on a large stone um, tree pot, it's called. There's a large tree floating out of it. The friends have left. He's sitting on, the, on this stone pot. And he's looking up into the night sky. And I come up beside him. And he looks at me. And he says, how can I thank God for what he's done for me? I said, well, Jesus has a gift for you. He wants to be your dear friend. And uh, would you like to have that gift and have his friendship always with you? Yes. So we pray for him, and he receives Christ into his life. My daughter went to his school. Uh, I said goodnight to him, and we parted company. But my daughter went to his school, and she said, Dad, he told everybody that he was healed at the cross. <laughs> and uh, she says, Dad, I knew him before, and I, I've, met him now, I've talked to him now after, and he is different. 
It was very, very sweet. The second gift, the second gift Jesus has for you is the courage to stand up in the midst of contempt. And is there contempt? We will, will we experience contempt in this life with Jesus, with that name and with healing in his name? Will you experience that somehow this is, this is not scientific? This is, this is not really scientific. I don't know necessarily why you're engaging in this. Will you experience the contempt? Will you stand up? Because Jesus has a gift for you that's going to lead to surprise. And the gift is the courage to stand when contempt is happening around you. Okay, back to the text. Jesus is in a house teaching the crowd. The three men arrive, one on a stretcher and the other two carrying him. Let's just look at this in a moment. Um, Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Okay. Now notice this. Three men arrive. The crowd is like a wall in front of them. This is possibly a picture of something of the houses of that time. It's a wall. They have something in their soul that has led them to this place. They have seen Jesus. They have observed him. And something happened in that observation. They concluded, this man, this man can heal our friend. Now they meet a wall. What do they do? Wow. Take the stairs. Up the stairs. They meet another obstacle. The roof. What do we do? I think we can, uh, let's see what we can do here. I think we can take this apart. Oh, my goodness. Shall we do this? Woo! What do people find out? The passionate energy just carried them to take, to get over the obstacles, up the stairs, through the roof, find the rope, tie the rope to the, to the stretcher, drop him down right in front of Jesus. Okay. All right. There's a gift operating here. It's the third gift that will get us to the moment of surprise. And that is passionate energy to face every obstacle and go around them or climb over them or lovingly Move them out of the way, whether it's something to do with that roof. This sounds heretical, Brian. <laughs> this sounds insane. You're talking about taking apart somebody's roof? We did that today. What would happen? Are you open to the passionate energy? That when you have received that seed of his faith, and you have indeed, somehow got the courage to keep moving, Do you have the, will you, are you open to the passionate energy to get your situation to Jesus? To bring it right there to the moment of surprise. Is it meaning standing up in a crowd and saying, yes, I'd like prayer? Does it mean going to a prayer team? For some of us, that can actually be challenging. It's not something you might have ever done before. Yeah. There can be obstacles that are in your way 
but there is a gift here for you that will lead you to the moment of surprise if you're open to it. Now, Jesus looks at the man. He looks at those, uh, the man now before him. And again, this question is just, again, Jesus, you can heal him. Are you willing? Are you willing? All right, Jesus looks at the man, and our text says he knows what's coming. He knows that he is called to step into the storm. And so he pushes the button of these religious people. And he says to the man, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, you have to know the faces of these men tell him volumes. They're not saying anything, but their actions, their body language, you know, body language is eight times more powerful than words. And their body language is speaking. Ooh, it is speaking. The eyes, the face, looking at each other. The hands moving in shock. Because this in their eyes is blasphemy. What is blasphemy? It means you are assuming you have sinned against the holy God right here in front of us. That's what it means. You have acted as if you are God. Right in front of us, the leaders of the community. How dare you? They're so shocked. I don't think they can speak. But they're just, it's just all over their body and face. Jesus, staying calm, beautiful little surprise in the midst of the storm. He says to them, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? And so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He turns to the paralyzed man, I tell you, Get up, take up your mat, and go home. The, mat, the man stands up, picks up his mat, and I'm sure he had an incredible little smile on his face of just, this is it. This is it. Stunned, surprise, warmth. Does he have tears in his eyes? I don't know, but I'll bet he's close. He picks up that mat, <laughs> nods his head to Jesus. I will. And he walks out. All right. Jesus is saying something here in this moment. I am different from anyone you have ever met. I have authority to forgive sins, and I have authority to heal. And that message is somehow there in just like huge, a huge stone that cannot be moved. There was a woman faith healer of the 20s, a very son of a simple person, and she ended up praying for people, and they started getting healed, and then people started coming to her, and finally there was crowds that would come, and they'd have a worship service, and then they'd have her at the end, and people would line up to come and see her and be prayed for by her, and she would wait. The reason they would come in that fashion is because uh, she would wait for each person that stood in front of her. She would wait, and then she'd say one of three things to the person. To one person, then she might say, Father says yes. And then she would pray for them, and things would happen. Whether the healing was instantaneous or whether something happened and there was a shift and there was a change, and it was a, the, the healing was beginning to happen. It was, it was moving. Something had developed, and there was change. 
or was it instantaneous? But healing happened. Next person comes. She waits. Father says, not now. Now, what did that mean? It meant there's something here that you need to investigate. You and Jesus need to dig into this and uncover it and deal with it. And then you are now in this place of being able to receive. Okay. Next person comes. She waits. Father says no. Father says no. Brian. Father says no. When does father ever say no, Brian? Amy Carmichael was a missionary. She lived from 1867 to 1951. For the first 60 years of Amy's life, she worked with orphans and prostitutes in India. She had a booming ministry. Then she had a fall. She prayed for healing and prayed and prayed. And finally, she understood. The father was said, no, I have another direction for you. You see, it's never no, period. It is no, I have another direction for you that we are going to walk together. Take my hand. That's what that no means. Amy Carmichael, in the first 60 years of her life, wrote 15 books. In the last 20 years of her life, she wrote 30 books. Those last 30 books have become well-known in missionary circles because they have depth. They have insight. They have, they have just words that seem to say it right to the very depths of your soul. And how does this happen? That someone starts writing at that level. It's because they have ended up surrendering something that they thought was utterly wonderful, and it was. And the father said, now we're going to change direction. I'm coming closer to you. We're going deeper. And out of that depth, out of that depth, we're going to speak to the world. We're going to say things that need to be said. You and I. Yes, light is going to come from that deep place. There was a woman who uh, came to me again a number of years ago for healing for her childhood issues, and we do pastoral counseling and prayer ministry with people. And so uh, we prayed through, I prayed through her material, her, her, her story as she presented it to me. And then just as she was about to leave, she said, Brian, would you also pray for my womb? I've had three miscarriages. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And, uh, well, tell me, as we sat down, what happened around that first miscarriage? Was, did anything happen? She said, yes, yes, it was really a difficult situation. I was, one day, I was pregnant then. I was standing at the door saying goodbye to my husband. He's just walked out the door. I'm, I'm waving goodbye. He's climbing into the truck, starting it up and putting it in gear. And suddenly, I'm thinking, where is my three-year-old son? Where is he? Where is he? And I open the door, and by this time, my, my, 
husband's truck is moving back, and I'm moving down the steps, and I hear a crunch, and he hears the crunch, and he jumps down out of his truck, and we both are running to the end of the truck, and we look down, and there is our son. He's safe. His bicycle is crunched. He's got a spoke in his leg, but he's, he's okay. He's okay. But I lose my baby. And I've lost two babies since then. I've not been able to carry a child. And I said, okay, Judy, are you willing now to go to that scene and invite Jesus into that scene? Just allowing him to meet you there. And she said, okay, all right, I'm open. So I had her close her eyes and we just prayed quietly and invited her. She was at the scene. She said, I'm there. I'm at the door. We invited Jesus to enter this scene that she carries in her soul. It's like a photograph that she carries, and it's loaded with feeling and pain and shock and, and, and stress. It's all there in that photograph. She's now at the photograph, and she invites Jesus in. She says, okay, I'm at the door. I, I, don't, I don't see Jesus. I said, okay, let's just keep walking, walking through this story. Okay, I open the door, and I, I'm, I'm seeing my, my, the hearing the crunch. I'm running down the steps. My husband has jumped out of the truck, and I, don't see, I, I still don't see Jesus. I said, okay, let's just keep walking. Okay, we're now at the end of the truck. I still don't see Jesus. I said, okay, all right, let's just keep going. She bent down. Then she said, just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed, just convulsed, just sobs. Finally, when she could talk, she said, I see Jesus. He's under the truck. He's wedged in there between my son and the wheel, and he's looking back at me, and he's smiling. He's smiling. So she gathered herself and calmed down. We, I prayed a blessing over her womb, and we parted company. Three months later, she called me. Brian, guess what? I'm pregnant. Six months later, she called me. Guess what? I had twins. <laughs> oh, Are you ready for the journey of surprise? It's there. Jesus is wanting you to just be open to his gifts. And he is about surprise. So are you open to ask for the Jesus faith before you pray for healing? Whatever your situation is that needs healing, are you open to asking him for your faith, Jesus? I want your faith for this. Are you open to the gift of courage, the courage to face contempt, contempt for how you want your marriage restored, contempt for how you want your body healed, your son healed, your daughter healed? Are you open to standing with Jesus and walking with him and saying, give me that gift of courage. I am open. I am open. 
Are you open to the gift of Jesus to go around the obstacles as you will meet them? To take the stairs, to lift the stones on that roof. It's odd. Sometimes Jesus is odd. (laughs) But then comes the moment of surprise. Are you open to saying to someone, your sins are forgiven you? All of them. Every sin you've ever sinned. The sins against me, you are forgiven. So God is here today, and I believe he wants to uh, shower you with his gifts. So I'm going to ask you now just for a moment to pause, and uh, I'd just like us to uh, actually ponder. Just, just close your eyes if you want. I'm just going to engage in a little prayer exercise here. And I've just prayed about this ahead of time, and I felt Jesus wanting me to do this. And I feel he wants to just invite you to consider any situation where you need his faith. Any situation of struggle or stress or where you feel like you're stuck. I'm inviting you today to just to take that situation And I'm inviting you to surrender here with Jesus anything that needs to be surrendered. I'm going to invite Jonathan now to just sing over you as you're in that quiet place with Jesus.